0: Hello and welcome to Never Press News, the podcast which will give you an insight into the lives and minds of the most motivated and inspirational people I have the pleasure of knowing. I'm Tony Musgrave and this is Never Press News. Hello, welcome to Never Press News episode thirteen. I'm here with Jody Hill today. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thank you for having me
0: more than welcome uh it's friday afternoon thank you for taking the time out of your calendar and uh yeah really appreciate you coming on so i'm just gonna tell people really how i found out about you and, and how we got in touch with each other yeah. so the podcast is about um inspiring stories people um who inspire people continuously and one of the subjects that's come up constantly throughout as a theme throughout the podcasts is mental health um some of my close friends have asked me about it, people who listen to the show. When are we going to cover some of our mental health? I was following you on Instagram. I'd seen some of the work you did on other podcasts on the Make It Mastermind one. I read mm-hmm. some articles that you'd published in the Yorkshire Post. Um, and I just messaged you and asked if you'd come on the show. And here you are. Yes.
1: Well, this uh, is how things work. The, the beauty of social media, hey? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you agreed to come on. So thank you very much for that. Um, we've done uh, relatively little prep for this, given the uh, the speed of which we uh, we we organised it. So thank you for that. And I think That's we just off air slightly about that might be our style. So hopefully it'll uh, it'll get the key points across. We're going to talk about mental health. Try and cover a little bit about uh, male dominated environments, which I'm certainly uh, versed in. And what, what it's been like to transition into this lockdown scenario and the most important bit for me is how, how do we get out of this and then we'll talk about some of the stuff that you've got going on and that things that people can get involved in does that sound all right
1: sounds like a plan
0: okay well welcome to the show tell everyone who you are
1: So, my name's Jodie Hill, as you've said. Um, I'm the founder and managing director of a law firm in Leeds called Thrive Law. So, I set up Thrive Law two years ago, um, basically, actually, because of my own poor mental health. So, I had a mental breakdown prior to that, and I there was just something inside me where I was like I need to I need to do something but I can't just work as a consultant for the people I was working as a solicitor at the time and um, I, I just I, I felt like I needed to create a different type of law firm where diversity and inclusion is at the core of all the culture and where mental health is really openly discussed because I think I don't know obviously other professions are probably similar but in the legal profession everyone's super tough and you know we're, we're the strong ones we'll argue and we're never weak and and so there's this armor that people people put on and um you know we're all human and i suffer with ptsd and anxiety so um it, it culminated in me ended up leaving my job and, and and i wanted to create a firm that that had a different culture to all the normal firms so we're not a very normal firm. Um, everyone um, that works for me is, uh, is, is really open and, and supportive about my mental health, their mental health. So it's a really nice culture. And um, we've got a team of ten now um, up in Leeds, and we've just opened a London office as well, which is really exciting. So yeah, so that's that's me. I'm, I'm actually my, my actual trade is I'm a solicitor, uh, but like I said, set up the law firm uh, just over two years ago.
0: Wow, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. <laughs> in, <Michelle>. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, We were just talking uh, off air slightly there. I just want to go back even a little bit further than that, just to try and get to know you a little bit, if that's all right. And just you're a forces child and you moved around a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so um, it, do you know what? Not a lot of people ask me about this as well. It's quite. Uh, it's only because you'd mentioned that you um, that you had a forces background. But, um, my stepdad was in the army, so um, from a very young age, uh, in fact, from the age of about five, he started living in Germany, and Cyprus, and all across, uh, or literally loads of places in Germany, um. Went ended up going to to boarding school. I got a scholarship to go to sc- to school in the UK, and I just have to fly back, fly uh, fly back to the UK, fly to Germany, all over the place. But, um, but yeah, re- really, really interesting life. In that, um, got to see a lot of Europe whilst I was really young. Um, I tried to learn a bit of German, like I was saying before, but. I <laughs> it's so hard when you don't speak it anymore um but if i have a few drinks like I say i might be able yeah. to to fumble through a conversation but yeah forces background and um and then actually moved and moved to the uk um when i came to university in leeds and then just never left leeds
0: so you you're originally born in leeds and then moved around or because that's a pretty strong Leeds accent you've got there
1: yeah, I well, I am actually I was actually born in Leeds, um, but I never lived in Leeds until I came to university. It was really strange. Um, I think I've lived in Leeds for over ten years now, though, so that's probably why I sound a bit Yorkshire.
0: Very Yorkshire. Very Yorkshire. <laughs>
1: very. I never get told very Yorkshire. Ah.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty strong, but I'm enjoying it because I, I look like I was saying off air, I live in Essex now and. I'm trying my best to keep hold of my accent as much as possible. It's been probably about the same time now that I've lived out of Rochdale than when I live there. So I'm holding on, I think, just about. But when I when I go home and I see my parents, they're like, Oh, you you sound like a cockney.
1: Oh no, they don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I don't think so, but I think they just think softened a little bit, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. So you're just saying there about um the one of the reasons for uh Getting into your own firm was around building your own culture. There was a guy on one of the previous podcasts before, and it was exactly what he said. And this is is why I wanted you on the show, because the theme is is certainly running through it. He was saying that some toxic environments in which he worked where it wasn't promoted mental health or or even recognised for that matter was the reason he decided to create his own culture. Um, what what kind of cultures were you working in prior you mentioned there that you you, you had a breakdown um, yeah. some would call it I've heard it called some breakthrough before yeah uh, and, I, know uh, what you
1: mean. I know what you mean with that, though, because whilst at, at the time it's really, really crap because you feel like you're, you're not moving forward and you feel like you've lost everything. Um, it does. I always say like, like strength comes out of adversity and, and and good things do end up happening, because if I hadn't have had that breakdown, I certainly wouldn't have had the courage and the strength to set up my own law firm when I was only 29. Um so like the average age of a solicitor is only 35 and most law firm owners are over the age of 60 so when I set up it was like a young woman setting up on their own having just had a breakdown everyone was like yeah she's nuts yeah, <laughs> so,
0: she's definitely gone she's gone <laughs> yeah they
1: literally were they were like oh let's let's watch her fail and then you know within two years we've won t- we've won two awards growing the team to 10 now got a London office and um, I've been recognized by both the law society and the solicitors regulation authority for having a leading culture in our entire profession so I've, I've already achieved like that initial bit that I wanted to achieve and it's just kind of growing it from there and just making a wider impact um rather than just you know just within Leeds that's why we've opened London and in fact we're looking to open in Manchester oh up? wow Manchester. <laughs> Manchester
0: it's got an R on the end of it <laughs> um, so um you you mentioned there about having that breakdown what what was you doing prior to the um, to opening your law firm. And was, do you think that was the contributing factor? So the environment that you work in, you said there, tough yeah. exterior suits of armour almost being worn by that, that law industry
1: yeah so i th- i actually think um there's, it's a combination of uh, the fact that i already had ptsd and anxiety i uh, was managing it relatively well but then play- if you put someone with a mental health condition in a toxic environment and then that environment then um is also unsupportive when you raise concerns or you try to get help then you you downward spiral because you you feel like you've got nowhere to go and in 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 a law firm um or especially where i used to work i was the only female I was the youngest so there was these other factors that were causing problems as well as the fact that I, w- I was suffering with my mental health quite quite badly and my medication had been tripled at that point so you kind of a bit floaty and you you just don't I don't know if anyone if you've ever had uh, anti-anxiety medication but you know when you when you get onto some high, higher dosages you do feel like you're kind of a bit numb and you don't feel yourself and it's quite it's quite a lot to deal with. And so, you you know, you need an element of support at work. And if, for example, you don't sleep and then you still have to be in the office at 6 a.m., yeah. it's, it's almost impossible to function because what we do as lawyers is all is about our brain. You know, my 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 work and everything I do requires my brain. So if I haven't slept or I'm feeling anxious, my brain isn't working. So I can't work. So what people don't get about that is is actually give give people a break and let you know let them start a bit later or whatever. They need as a reasonable adjustment, and actually support them and say, "Do you know what? It's okay to feel that way." And then all of a sudden, you've got a, an employee who's loyal and feels like they're supported, and then they can recover quicker. It's about that bounce back. Doesn't mean it would stop, and it doesn't mean I'd not have any symptoms, but it would make it easier for me to manage it, uh, knowing that I wasn't going to get into trouble, I wasn't going to be bullied, I wasn't going to be discriminated against. Um, and so I think all of those things culminate. And in if, if you're placed in a toxic environment without the support Support, ultimately what happens is you just you get to a point and that and you know that that it's breaking point and people I see it all the time I, I specialize in employment law supporting people with mental health problems in work so that's actually my area of law as well um so we see it from a legal perspective I see it as an employer and I've been there as an employee and um, it's just getting worse and worse at the moment um, even though we've got a lot of awareness which I think is great um there's a, there's not very much action so lots of employers saying oh we've got these you know mental health first aiders we've got this we've got that but what they don't have is when their employee asks them for support they don't know what to say or they try to manage them out um and so what we're seeing is a real disparity from awareness to action and so now what i'm trying to do is push people um to see the benefit of taking action and that their actions follow their words because it's great having a diversity and inclusion manager but if that person doesn't he's like completely disconnected to their staff and doesn't actually do anything that impacts on the team, then what's the point of having that person to see what you make. So yeah, that's kind of, so yeah, in in a nutshell, I was in a really toxic environment and actually it's about, um, it's very hard to recognize that when you're not well. Um, so, inf- unfortunately, it did take for me to have the breakdown. But, like you say, breakthrough, because I wouldn't be where I am now and I would definitely wouldn't have had the balls to set up my own firm. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, there, there was the, one of the girls that was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Sherry Miles, she, she had something very similar. And we shared um, we shared a, a few Instagram posts about um, the next level of, of healing is about oh. help, about helping others. And yeah, it looks like, that, and I'm sure we'll go into some detail about that later. But it looks like that's one of the things that you've you've adopted here that you've you've transformed yourself, got out of that toxic environment, and then on top of that, started to help some other people along the way. That's, is I mean, yeah. it's certainly relatable, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I think because because it was my it's my area of law as well. I, I'm in a position where not only have I got the lived experience and I know exactly how it feels when these people are coming to me, I actually know how to deal with it. So I've got the confidence from both angles, which is quite a rare Uh, position to be in. Um, And so I feel as though I kind of have a duty to use that and help people um, because it's quite a unique position. And that's why at the same time as starting my law firm, I also started a national campaign to change the law to require all workplaces to consider having um, workplace mental health first aiders, because at the moment all workplaces have physical first aiders, but they don't have mental health ones. So we started that campaign on as kind of my, my, um, my next step you know when you're saying oh well how you know how else can we help people well obviously i'm helping people every day in my job but that's not reaching enough people so i felt like the campaign would have a wider impact it's
0: certainly um, it's certainly on the agenda of of many organizations mental health and mental health first aiders there is some great work to be to be done i think in improving improving that but it's hard it's a hard subject if you don't understand it, and it's, mm. it feels like uncharted territory for a lot of people. And it, it sometimes feels like you could make more mistakes than you could do good. Yeah, and I think people are reluctant or are just wary, you know, of the of the of getting involved.
1: Mm. i think people generally want to want to help but they often don't know how to so they'd rather say nothing so they don't get in trouble yeah um and that's what we're finding so um with rather than um rather than making everybody do mental health first aid, what we're saying is everybody should do mental health awareness or mental health champion training so that they have a deeper understanding of of all the conditions, but also um, understanding about signposting. So, uh, you know, directing people to the right support so that they don't feel that they say the wrong thing. It's about having that non-judgmental conversation whereby you listen, you hear what they're saying, but you're not judging them when you respond. You've actually signposted them to support. Um, And I think, you know, I think every single person should have that type of training because we all have mental health. And at some point in our lives, we could all have mental ill health. Um, I think every single person is susceptible and especially now with social social isolation and financial problems increasing. I think there's a real, real problem. And I know last year. Um, despite all the awareness we saw a massive increase in the cost to UK employers following one of the Deloitte studies. Every year they do a study on like the, the economic cost of of poor mental health to employers and generally the economy and we saw it go up by millions last year and that's despite all of the support that people are, are getting and all the awareness so like, I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like when they do it again in January next Sorry. year when you, when you look at what's happened, you know, obviously with the coronavirus pandemic, I think um we're we're already in a bad situation when it comes to mental health of of the uk i think you know generally everybody can relate to it whether they nurse someone or they've personally suffered so i think yeah i definitely think social isolation is going to have a huge impact on people
0: moving forward you mentioned there about you suffer yourself from ptsd and anxiety um i certainly don't want to pry into a subject if you're not wanting to talk about it um it's up to you if you do want to open up about that. Yeah,
1: no, it's, no, that's fine. I mean, I've had, I didn't, I suppose I didn't really know I had anxiety. I just thought I was a bit weird. Um,
0: <laughs> that's what we all say. That is exactly yeah. what we all say about it
1: yeah so i I basically i wasn't diagnosed until i had had some counseling and following trauma when i was younger but um i hadn't really appreciated um the kind of extent of the damage and then when i was at university my um my my brain was just being—I re- don't know how to describe it—quite fuzzy, and then I was um, re- experiencing really uh, bad panic attacks. Like, and if if anyone's had a panic attack, you know that you literally feel like you're about to die every time, and that's not an exaggeration. Your heart feels like it's about to stop. It's just your chest is so tight. You've, the physical symptoms are horrendous. Your whole body's wet, like it's just awful. And these these started happening like all the time. And I was—I literally would be sat at my desk at work, and I'd be completely dripping, and I. I'd be having this panic attack and I just didn't know what was happening. Cause I didn't know that's what it was. Um, so then I got diagnosed and sent, the therapy and i've had i've had um cognitive behavioral therapy i've had counseling and now i'm doing neuroplasticity so i literally have i'll try anything um, because actually a lot of it's a lot of it's like mindset um understanding your triggers and your brain and how it works and what's happening and and it's it's for me i'm actually re- i'm in a really weird way i'm really grateful that i've been in this situation because i've learned so much about myself probably a lot sooner than most people would because i've had to um so every cloud and all you've kind of got to see the positives in it and and also the lessons that are within the you know that obviously there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of discomfort and it's, it's genuinely really difficult to live with but equally it's driven me to do what i've done so yeah it's kind yeah, of double-edged sword really isn't
0: it it certainly is you mentioned there about um not knowing going undiagnosed i think was your phrase going undiagnosed yeah. with with anxiety there is lots of other people out there as well I, I imagine in yeah. that, that situation wondering uh, what it is that's happening to their body when it goes through that scenario um, yeah. that whole fight or flight situation so do you want yes. to for those the, the people that are listening to this and, and I hope there's people out there that can relate and, and hopefully it'll give them an insight into what this is so talk us through what what you would experience in in one of those panic attack moments, and maybe if you don't mind, you know what would what kind of triggers would come from that?
1: Yeah so i mean to, to be fair for me my triggers aren't really I, I don't really have a specific trigger um so with anxiety attacks there isn't always like some there's a, there's a misconception that there's always something like you know for example a situation or a person yeah. or a place they can be triggers but sometimes it's just the chemical imbalance in your wow. so that part of the panic is that i don't know why why it was happening because i'm like well nothing's happened to me why is this happening? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, what I would say is um, the, the first thing that happens is generally your hands become really sweaty and really fidgety. Um, I bite my nails anyway, um, which is a horrendous habit. But uh, it's very intrinsically linked to uh, to having anxiety from such a young age and and yeah basically start, i start rubbing my hands my they start to sweat then my body starts to sweat and then it's about the, the hardest part is when you get the shortness of breath and you get really tight chest um and it forces me to almost curl up in a ball because the the pain in the chest is is so excruciating and it feels like it's closing i can't i can't really describe it it just feels incredibly difficult to breathe and then you then panic about the fact that you can't breathe so it's a vicious cycle um so in order to ca- kind of come round from it it's about learning breathing exercises um i take uh which is like a uh, basically i can't remember what the, the, the technical word is, but it basically stops. It can help stop the panic if that makes sense, and, and kind of calm you down. Um, I don't know. I don't know how exactly it works, but it does work. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those medications that you can just take as and when.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so you can just take it while you're going through that scenario
1: yeah exactly so so you can take that so i'm i'm currently medication free um a year after my breakdown i was quite determined because i was on so much medication that i wanted to there's nothing wrong with medication and one thing i would say is i couldn't have done it i couldn't have done anything without it but i know that i had quite a lot of side effects so i wanted to come off the medication so that i could feel better physically um and i managed to come off it but i've still got those benzos just because if you need the propanolol benzodine whatever they're called um you've got them and and you just know they're there um but to be honest i don't have panic attacks that often anymore i still have them and i think the key thing i would say is that don't try and don't try and control it it's not um it's not a condition you can control you just have to manage it and learn to live with it so i think if you try and control it too much it just makes it worse so sometimes you just got to ride it out and just know that it's happening but you'll be fine and that's easier said than done because when you're in that situation it's bloody hard Um,
0: (laughs) when when all the symptoms that you're having in an anxiety attack are exactly Mm. the same as uh, having a heart attack and dying yeah. uh, is yeah. difficult. We touched on it a couple of weeks ago with one of the guys on the podcast, Miles Lewis. He said something very similar. I, I, I personally have had a few anxiety attacks in my time, and I genuinely thought I was going to die at those moments. And it's yes. probably the scariest situation I've been in. I opened about one the other week where I was in a bus stop and I fell over and I thought, I, I literally thought, I'm going to die in a bus stop um, carrying mm-hmm. a box, And that's the end. And one, one other one that was really severe that I haven't really told too many people, so I might as well blurt it out on here, right? Eh? Um, was I was lying in mm-hmm. bed one night, I woke up, my heart was racing, I was covered in sweat. I thought, oh, I'll go downstairs to, to get a drink. I went to the sink to get a drink, and the next thing I remember is waking up on the floor and I'd passed. Mm-hmm. The- and that was one um, that I, I then got back up, made my way up the stairs, but the panic. I thought because I thought I was dying, I ran into yeah. the bedroom, turned the bedroom light on and passed out again onto the floor. Now, luckily I didn't I didn't do any damage. I was I was completely fine. I, I just fell onto yeah. the bed. Um but when I come round after that, um I started to then worry that this was gonna happen more often. So I think I gave myself more anxiety and continued anxiety that I was gonna pass out somewhere and it was good. I think it was yeah. a A little bit of embarrassment, I think, at the time.
1: Yeah, do you know what? I think that he's very situational with stuff like that. I think, like we you talked about before, triggers. That's a trigger for you. It's that kind of, oh, if this happens, it's it's the what ifs. And uh, with anxiety, what happens is there's the physical response, which is the anxiety attack. Not everybody gets that. Well, Most people just, wor- I say just, it's not just worry, but they, they don't have the physical symptoms. They worry excessively and catastrophize yeah. in every situation, but they don't do it consciously. The brain just goes away with it. And so I think there's a difference between um, generalised anxiety disorder and panic disorder with anxiety um, and, and it's understanding the difference between them and there's varying degrees. So a lot of people have had anxiety, but not to that degree or, or not with the panic attacks. And, and neither one is worse or better than the other. It's just that they're different and it's learning how to deal with that and, and cope with it in a way that works in your lifestyle. Because, you know, some people... Um, You know, if that happens and they're like driving a bus or something, that's clearly going to have a massive impact on their ability to like do their job or just generally um, drive a vehicle and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think there's definitely. Um, I, I mean, I, I know lots of people that have suffered with anxiety and we all suffer differently. So it's really, really interesting to see people diagnosed with the same condition and how it affects them very, very differently. And I think that's really important like to not compare yourself to other people and um, kind of own your own situation and, and, and do what works for you. And don't compare like your treatment or, or your uh, reactions or anything to anyone else. I think that's a really, really important message to yeah, get across. That, that-
0: that is really important. I, that w- we haven't touched on it in that way before. So thank you very much. Firstly, well done and congratulations for being medication free. That's massively important and oh, a great. So so well done. Um, but we haven't touched on that about about the anxiety being your own. Uh, Miles mentioned on his about not having triggers. He didn't know them. My triggers were yeah. more around that embarrassment factor i think when i felt in control of my situation so one example would be um and and i know there's other people with this situation public transport would freak me Mm. out and it Mm. wasn't that it was dirty or smelly or the wi-fi didn't work or anything like that it was the fact that there would be a lot of people and i would start to worry that if i had a panic attack at this moment What about all these people that are going to see this happen, and then I'm just going to be lying on the floor, sweating like I was in my kitchen that time, and that started to really play. So when I was in, I would start to control things. I'm I'm giving, Mm. telling, telling too much here, I think, but I, 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 no, do it. I used to, if take my car keys every single where everywhere I went because I felt like if I had them, I could run away at any moment, and there'll be people out. Listen to this. Who have no idea about this whatsoever. And I, I, unless I'm that obvious that I'm carrying my car keys everywhere, but it, it, that was my like comfort blanket. Did you have anything? Yeah. Was there something that you knew you had an escape from it or you could control it? Mm-hmm.
1: Do you know what? No, I didn't. Mine kind of came. I had no triggers. So it generally just kind of, it came. I think sometimes more more than often, more often than not, it was it was due to overwhelm and lack of sleep. I think, yeah. you know, generally when I've not slept well or I felt like I had way too much to do, um, that can cause feelings of anxiety to exacerbate and, and then be a potential trigger. But I think there was never like one consistent trigger. It was more... Um, and and actually the scariest ones kind of came from nowhere. Um, yeah. I think one thing I, d- I definitely um notice as, as a like a common theme is as I don't re- I don't like conflict. Um oh. And that's funny because I'm a lawyer, right? So yeah. <laughs> I can that's
0: do it for the people, you get paper, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I do it all day long for everybody else. So yeah, maybe. I don't mind I don't like personal conflict and I think um, that can that's be, has been has been a trigger and actually people with anxiety generally do people please and I think that's part of um part of the condition is that you're constantly thinking well what are people thinking about me and um that that's quite a difficult process to go through in your head constantly it's exhausting and I think when you get to a certain point uh, that's it's that exhaustion when you can't kind of control your thoughts in any way at all and your body just goes right I'm done and then has a panic attack um so I think it is it's difficult because like I said it's not like every time I went into like on public transport or something it is it wasn't connected to a situation a person or a place it was more um kind of a build-up inside and then things would just go and yeah, and you just, you just, and I just end up on the floor, and I just be in so much pain, um, yeah. and kind of have to breathe it, breathe it out. I mean, I'm, I love meditating, so I'm good. I'm quite good at breathing now, um, but it is, meditate, it's about learning to breathe because we don't breathe enough.
0: Yeah do you do you practice meditate meditation on a regular basis now then
1: yeah so I meditate most days now um I try and do like 10 minutes a day um and I also I just I've actually just come back from Bali and I did a yoga retreat there um and that was Partly because I've always wanted to go there, and I love yoga, but but also there's the meditation links within that, and it's all. I mean, I I'm I'm not I I love like training, and do, I'm very into my exercise, and that's very much my therapy. But I do a lot of weight training and like and group and like sports like hockey and netball that type of thing. um I'm not really one for like classes and stuff, but I really got into yoga recently, and. Um, that was partly born out of the fact that I do meditate and it was, they're all linked. Um, and it is like yoga is very much about your breath and breathing into your body. And, um, that's really helped me to, to remain focused and to be a lot calmer. I'm quite, I speak very fast. I'm a very fast paced person. That's the kind of person that I am. But, um, you, you you almost have to like force yourself to slow down a bit and I think that's what I've learned through this process is it's great being 100 miles an hour but it's not sustainable you know it's it's just not sustainable so I have to make time to uh, practice self-care I have to meditate I have to exercise if I don't exercise for three or more days then oh, I, I can feel myself feeling more anxious and it's like it's I can literally tell in myself so I think we you once you get to understand your own anxiety, you understand what helps and what doesn't help. so, for example, drinking is a really it <laughs> makes me feel anxious the next day. I love a glass of wine, but if I have a bottle of wine, I will feel a bit anxious when I first wake up because you know um drinking is is it's a depressive it makes it doesn't make you feel makes you feel good at the time, but the next day it does exacerbate, so you know people have to, re- some people it doesn't, but I know for me that's a trigger. So And sugar as well. Sugar is a really bad one for anxiety. It gives uh, highs and lows. So, um, yeah, it's a a massive journey, I think. And I'm still learning every day. And I think it's about putting those consistent small changes in place like meditation, like a bit of exercise, even if it's just a walk to help your brain, because we need to exercise our brains and we need to look after our brains, whether we've got anxiety or not.
0: Yeah, you you touched on there about alcohol, sugar, any of these spikes. Obviously, sugar in the al- alcohol as well. You know, any of these spikes, these up and downs, create there. One of the, I, I completely agree with you. I I almost get get pre hangover anxiety anxiety because yeah. I know what. To so if I I know tonight we've had a, a great week at work, I'm going to have a few beers, but I know if I overstep the mark with that, what I'm going to have to deal with tomorrow. And that's yeah. fine. In, in, in some circumstances, I could be okay with that. Sometimes it can overtake. Luckily, my wife, um, not my children so much, but my, my wife's aware of that. And, you know, she'll know what I'm doing if I'm glued on the phone or trying to read a book, trying to occupy my mind. Um, because it kind of builds up before it as well now. That's that's yeah.
1: I totally agree, you know. I think um, one yeah. of the things I always get is I, before a night out um, or like a, a, like a big social event, I get that kind of pre-anxiety. It's, m- it's yeah. more to do with the fact that not that I'm scared to go to the event or see the people. I'm looking forward to it, but I I'm anxious right, about it? the after, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. And generally at work events, you have a few beers and then you've got to present the next day, so you're not yeah. <laughs> You're trying to get all of that through your head, and you know this is the first time today that we've done our uh, year a yearly kickoff meeting where, because of social isolation, we're at home. So Mm. I planned last night to try and uh, get a reasonable night's sleep before we all presented, but um, nothing like normal. But you mentioned there as well about self care, and I think that's Mm -hmm. a important um, important subject. You mentioned a few other things. What you got some advice for people because Self-care doesn't – it's not the same for every individual. I know what mine said. and I'm still learning that like you are, and I think that's great that people are trying to understand themselves. But for someone who's got no idea about self-care, what would you advise them doing?
1: Um, I would say that with self care, it's uh, it's little and often. So um, don't don't say I'm going to do an hour of yoga, an hour exercise, an hour of this. Like you're just not going to do it. So you know what I would say is integrate five minutes a day of 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 three things. So. It might be walking. It might be meditation. It might be yoga. It might be journaling. It might be looking at reading a book. Self-care is where you do something for you that makes you feel good. Um, so for me, I journal every morning and it literally only takes because I don't have I've got ADHD as well. So I don't have the attention span to do loads of writing and I would write all day. So um, I, I just journal on one page that I say what I'm grateful for. I set my three goals for the day and then i write out my diary and then i meditate and that takes me 10 minutes everybody's got 10 minutes we all sit wake up and scroll on instagram or whatever like we've all got 10 minutes we can make that time and it's about that consistency so it's the small consistent changes that you'll start to see in the long term have have the the deepest and best impact for you um and so finding your thing is basically just trialing it out and try try a couple of different things for a maybe 3 or 4 weeks to see whether or not it works for you meditation isn't for everybody because actually it's really hard it isn't easy and you always feel my brain wanders around all the time when i'm doing my meditation but it's a practice it's not you don't, you're always practicing you're always learning you're not going to be perfect and it's the same with yoga or exercise i like weight training because i can up the weights and i can focus on the reps and that kind of thing but you know just find what works for you and some people just like just literally like to read a book i i personally don't i like to listen to things so i think the key the key message for me is find find three things and do them for three weeks but just do them for five to ten minutes each rather than committing yourself to fail
0: that's a really good point that you know because i've got a collection of books downstairs that i've I, i made a deal with myself uh two or three years ago that i would read 12 books a year 12 in 12 and i've stuck to it for the best part. Sometimes I have to cram a bit in because I've I've let it go a little bit. But actually, yeah. sometimes I just get up and read three or four pages out of the book rather than what, what can look like, which is what it sounds like you're saying. If you can break yeah. that into those five-minute sections, it does, I can almost get anxiety about the amount of things that I've got to integrate into my life. Like, you know, I'm, I've got to go to the gym. I've got to drink two liters of water. I need eight hours sleep. I don't have salt, too much sugar. All of these things that go on can be pretty daunting. I really like that approach. Yeah. Small little yeah. things you bring in. I think
1: it's really... Yeah, I think it's really a point because I think we're too hard on ourselves. I think the key message and what I've been saying for, for years is be kind to yourself. Like by yeah. by forcing yourself to do lots of things that restrict your and change your life, like that's not going to help your mental health. You've got to do things gradually and you've got to be consistent. And if you have a day or two where you don't do those or three days or whatever, like on a weekend, you know, I don't always, ex- I do a lot of my exercise in the week, for example. And on a weekend, I'll chill more and I probably don't meditate as much. Much, but it's about finding what's right for you and and not like i said right at the beginning don't don't compare yourself to everybody else because you know you know karen on facebook yeah. might might have as we always get uh well, you're You know that you don't know what they, each person's journey is. You don't know what else they've got going on in their life. You know, you, you can't. You just can't compare. And I think that's a really, really important factor of self-care. Is what's what works for some people doesn't work for others. Some, but we did um, that five K challenge yesterday. A few of us, and one of our friends just had to show off and did and did ten K. But you know, that's her yeah. and that's what she does. But I couldn't have done that because my legs would have fallen off. So-
0: did you Did you do, <laughs> it, like, well- did you do it yesterday?
1: Yes, I
0: did the 5K yesterday. My legs are killing today. <laughs> oh, so did I. I did it yesterday as well. Ah. Um, yeah, just, oh, just that, the, same, the same thing, really. I've tried to... Uh, uh, one of the key things you said there about this self-care was exercise, which was really important. Everybody that's been on the podcast so far, almost everybody, I would say one of their keys to their self-care is physical exercise leading to good mental health.
1: Yeah, it's hundred percent. It, the science is there. the the two The two key things are exercise and sleep so you need to get good quality sleep in order for your brain to work it simply won't work properly if you don't have good quality and the right length of time and that differs from person to person and then the other thing is exercise they're the two most important things for your mental health i present with um, a doctor some training that we do around the country and i do like the legal stuff and she does the, the science stuff and i just love listening to how that all how the whole brain works and you know and, and actually her key thing as a doctor she She's like the the one thing I always tell people is make sure you get enough sleep and it's so underrated and it's so easy we can all get extra sleep and better quality sleep like not having your phone on before you go to bed and that type of thing it helps you have better quality which means your brain works better and you're less likely to have a mental health decline um so yeah it's really interesting I love the science behind um uh, behind sleep and and exercise because actually that it all links everything is all holistically linked together
0: yeah, you said that was therapy to you, that exercise. And that, I have to say that that's therapy to me. If there's anyone listening to this that um, is feeling like they suffer from any of the, the symptoms that you've been talking about. then I think a, a moderate amount of exercise, because sometimes that can also be daunting when you look on Facebook. You said, yeah. I'll say Sandra from Sandra from Essex on Facebook is is doing <laughs> another, another hit class at 6 a.m. And she's doing, you know, a. She's on her third protein shake of the day. And I think it can come all a little bit daunting, to be honest. And just some, do you know, um, me and my wife were sat on the sofa when Boris made the announcement and she said, that's it, we're going into lockdown. We're going to be confined to our houses. And I said, I I think the approach may be slightly different based on mental health. And I love the fact that that has been considered here because giving people that little bit of freedom, as long as they're sensible with it, you know, for thirty minutes a day. Some people are doing a little bit longer, and I'm sure they're keeping themselves socially distant while doing that. Um, yeah. is massively important at this time.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree, and I think um, especially when. So, like, I obviously I'm working from home at the moment. My entire law firm we're all working individually, at her, and obviously in our own houses, not in my house.
0: Um, I was gonna and... say, there's ten people in your law firm that are all in your house. <laughs>
1: I know, yeah, that would be the one, um but yeah, we we're all obviously working remotely, and um, you know, I can go. I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been or to a shop or spoken to anyone other than my partner in person since before lockdown, because I was already working from home three weeks before lockdown. So, like for me, so like the social side of it, I find that really difficult because I'm such a social bunny, um but i think having that time outside i've got a dog so i make sure i take him out for a you know a nice long walk every day and you know if i can go early first thing it's great because there's no people around and if not then obviously you just have to social distance but it's it's busier than i've ever seen when i go out for a walk which yeah. is, which is good well that's, um, just,
0: what I said. And- that's what i said about it i said hopefully it will be because it's all you can do hopefully it'll be the the, you know, the the catalyst that people have been looking for, maybe just to jump mm. off the offer for 30 minutes. We're not asking them to do what your mate did and run 10K. We're not even asking them to run at all. We're just saying...
1: No, go outside.
0: Just walk. Just yeah. go and get some fresh air. And one of the things that someone was saying to me the other day, I think it might have been my oldest boy, actually, he went, oh, have you, have you seen all of the fancy cars on the street? Uh, some vintage cars. And I was like, no, I've not, I've not looked. And he said... And it it was like he was taking in his surroundings for the first time. That he wasn't—he's not in a mad rush. He's just going for a bit of a wander with his headphones in, and he was Mm -hmm. starting to take in his surroundings. And it was—it was pretty cool to see.
1: Yeah, I think um I think that's a really really important thing to consider and and I know when I'm going for a walk now I either go for a walk and listen to an audiobook or a podcast and that's yeah. a really good opportunity to listen to something and not be distracted and just take it all in or i just have a really mindful walk and look at the and it sounds sounds really cheesy but I look at like the trees and the plants and the wind I like, literally fully be mindful when you're walking and it's really good for your mental health because Prior to that, I was like 2 million miles an hour and i just rushed from, from job to job and I'd be working like 12 hours a day and I just didn't really have time to take anything in. So, I mean, my dog's exhausted because yeah, he's getting
0: there's, there's so, many so many walks. There's so many dogs around the UK that are knackered at this moment in time. Like, I know,
1: yeah. they're like, come on, finish lockdown. Lo- in fact, it's just literally been announced that lockdown's been extended to the end of June. I've just got an email through. <laughs> That's, uh, have you- So, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the job retention schemes being extended. So I reckon they'll extend lockdown to oh, the end, to the end. Because they wouldn't extend, sorry, this is going off topic. Oh, it's fine, <laughs> please, live announcement. It's breaking um, news. Breaking news. But um, but yeah, they've just announced that the job retention scheme is extended to the end of June, which is basically the furlough stuff. So, so yeah, yeah, that's the stuff that we've been advising on um, just, just for, for free, really. I, I was mentioning to you before yeah. about the
0: the free support i'd like to touch on that a little bit you you mentioned there about um you're working remotely from home um one, what our organization we we mobilized really quickly and proud of every single one of those people for the for the adaptations that they're making yeah. I, I did a presentation today and um tried to get across some of the Some of the situations that we've put ourselves in that are completely alien to what our normal environment, you know, my usual routine would be to get up, have a coffee, go to the gym, shower, drive to work, work in the office all day, come back out. Mm -hmm. I was out on the road a little bit as well, so it was broken up. But for the majority of people, we we would go to a place of work. We've changed virtually overnight our work life and our home life are like locked together, you know collided together almost and mm. that's quite unsettling especially for those people who who work may have been an escape or may have been somewhere where they prefer to be during the day and we're now trying to do all of that work so I know you've you've talked about it but that transition period to working from home what do we need to be aware of what do I need as a as a manager as a leader yeah. what can i be thinking about my employees who've moved into a remote environment
1: so um the first thing that we're telling people to do is make first of all make sure they've got all the right equipment which most people will have already done and check your insurance policies and um, first of all as an individual check your mortgage provider lets you work from home check your insurance allows because if you check your insurance you'll probably have said you work in an office so you just need to check all of those um from a formality and 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 a legality point of view but from a from a mental health and like a management perspective what we're saying is and and how, what I I do with my team is is ensuring that we have communication that's not just emails and um, voice and uh, voice notes and whatsapp groups and we're making sure we have video calls so we have face to face time and team meetings that are like quizzes so it's not about work and just trying to normalize the working from home and it not be so um so alien to everybody because i mean for us the transition was really easy because we already worked from home my my business model was that we um, empowered flexible working for people with disabilities and working parents so we were already ahead of the curve and already set up so in terms of doing that it was fine the issue we had was all of us being at home at the same time and no one in the office so um that was that was just really just having to just divert everything to one person's phone and then thinking about oh. communication team meetings that kind of thing um the other thing that we're encouraging people to do is conduct a series of, of risk assessments now you first of all you've got your DSE assessments they're like the you know your desk because um a lot of people are going to be sat on their sofas and they are going to come out of lockdown three months four months in with a one day back a hump, with so a... you wanna... yeah <laughs> yeah you all, right. so, all so, the time you, literally so that but we but we can't think oh this is comfy i'll just sit here so you know that's really important i think as managers we need to be checking that people are sitting properly obviously you can't force them to but as long as you've conducted a risk assessment that reduces liability but also um will hopefully indicate to the employee that they need to 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 create a better environment at work at, at their workstation the other thing is around mental health risk assessments now i'm campaigning for this to be mandatory in every workplace and what we're saying is you need to check in remotely with individuals around mental health um, around energy sleep all of these things it's all you can do it all on there's a very various online platforms where you can collate the data Um, but basically checking in with people because their challenges and stresses are different now for if you if you think about a month ago what your biggest issue was mine was probably like getting parked getting into the office like the noise in the office like my challenges are different now and so your staff's challenges are different your team's Challenges are different, and we all need to understand that change is change is very difficult for human beings to deal with. We all deal with change very differently. And um, if you've got anxiety, um, something like a pandemic, it just makes you feel like you're losing your mind because there's so much uncertainty. So. There's an element of um, just understanding where your team are at with their mental health. You might not even know that half of them have got a mental health problem until now um, because they might have been exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, But also it's then looking at, well, how can we support them? So providing remote. We've got an online platform that. Basically, you do it through. Uh, through your uh, through your computer or your phone, and you can do it on your own time. So even if they're furloughed, so this is not just working from home. People who are furloughed, like you, don't forget about them as well. Like everybody's remote, um, we need to check in regularly and, and and make sure people don't feel like they've got forgotten because they will have to come back at some point and what you don't want is a completely disconnected and dis- discombobulated workforce that are just feeling like they don't really know where they belong um, and that's going to have a huge impact moving forward and it's that kind of what next you know what are we going to do yeah okay everyone's working from home and we finally transitioned but you know if lockdown's extended and we then um ha- we haven't really spoken to our staff because we've shut down then what happens when you want everyone to come back um and people are going to feel anxious coming back you know we've been locked in our houses for such a long time um there's going to be an air of anxiety whether you suffer or not so i think there's a huge responsibility on employers now and i think the risk assessments are a really really good way to start to to support your team
0: so if if someone wants to conduct a mental health risk assessment um what, what do we need um, to do where, so, where do we I mean, find I can, this information I, I can of?
1: introduce people to to a company that i've used so if people just want to contact me i'm more than happy to do that um and and i'm you know happy to leave my uh, email and stuff with with the recording um so yeah i think i just think there's there, there are other ones online but i just haven't used them so i'm just reluctant to to recommend anything that i haven't used if that makes sense um yeah, and yeah, also the ones uh, that we've uh, we've used. You also, as a manager, get a report. So what happens on the risk assessment is the employee gets a self-help report, like a self-care report, saying you need to improve on these three areas and here's how you can do it. And, and it can be as simple as stand up every, like, every 15-20 minutes because you're too sedentary so there's little things that they but it's a personalised report for each individual and then the managers get a report saying right 68% of your staff are um, struggling with sleep or 82% of your staff are stressed at work so it'll tell you the percentage of the causes of the, the anxiety stress and all of those different areas so that you as a business know how to manage that and then how, and then what training to, to invest in because people are just going oh well let's just put a yoga class yeah. on or let's do resilience training well actually what is it that your staff need and you only you will only know that if you ask them otherwise you're just wasting your money because you're not actually addressing the problems you're just putting training on for the sake of putting it on so i think if people really care and they really want to understand and really support people then the investment is best spent after having done an assessment Mm.
0: get that feedback before you you make actions you yeah you were saying there about everybody working from home and doing all the zoom stuff and quizzes etc that's that's definitely um stuff that's going going on in in the areas i work and some of the stuff that's amazing one of the things i wanted to say about it was um i I feel like and and i wonder how you guys are like this but um i feel like we've kind of relaxed a little bit in some of those environments so my children come on my work calls Other people's children just wander in. And we're being a little bit more tolerant of these scenarios in such a good way. I I genuinely hope that doesn't. it hasn't been counterproductive. If my daughter comes in and says, oh, can I say hello to everyone? Yeah, if you want. She'll say hello. She'll wander off. They'll come in and out of the room. I think there's a bit of a balance there where, you know, we're working together. We're all in the same place i hope some of those things stay think,
1: like i said right at the beginning there's there's always um there's always some strength and some positives that come out of adversity and i think you know there's a lot that we can take away i've been a huge advocate for flexible working working from home from day one and i've proved that it works by setting up my own firm in that way and so many law firms and so many businesses refuse to provide flexible working for people with disabilities for just for anyone um and actually we've all and they say oh you can't do it because of you can't do because of that and guess what we're all doing it and it's working and so you know it's it's kind of the home working revolution that we've that we've all been asking for it's happened and yes okay the circumstances are, are horrendous in, in which it's happened but we've got to take these positives and see actually we've learned new ways of working best probably better ways of working more, more productive um i know that i'm way more productive i've got way more time for me because i'm not traveling um and and i think ultimately if we all can yeah. take something away from it then
0: it's not being a waste of time yeah i think you're right and i i was chatting to someone the other day actually and a, a couple of the close people we talked about anxiety earlier um that i've shared that that anxiety situation i am in with so they're fully understanding mm. so if they see those triggers and they see what's going on and one of the things i kept doing um unbeknown to me until they they told me was that i was only focusing on all of the positives, so I was going, "Oh, this is amazing! Look how productive mm. we are." Little bit like you, I talk really fast. Everything's at 100 miles an hour. I'm bouncing from one thing to the next, and I and I love it, and I enjoy that, and I do have to take that time away. But one of the things I hadn't considered was that sometimes mm. this is just a little bit shit. And you, you mentioned before that mm. you're a social person, and that. I, I've only in the last couple of days started to think about maybe it's because it's normally our kickoff meeting and we would normally be having a beer together. I'm missing shaking someone's hand, yeah, giving them a kiss, giving them a hug, yeah. saying, hey. and I just want I, want, I just wanted your opinion really on not how do we not be too harsh on ourselves that we only focus on all these positives, but at the same time we do recognize that sometimes. This is a yeah, little bit of it. I think a, a shit lot of situation. it is about
1: acceptance. And and the reason I um I journal is that I'm kind of processing and reflecting on what's happened each day. So I'll always take things that I'm grateful for and the wins out of the day, but I'm also mindful to accept the things that haven't gone so well and to learn from them. And and also sometimes, like you said, situations are just shit and it's just how they are. So you've just got to ride the wave. And I, I've just been saying that at the moment, you know, we are where we are um now is the time to sow lots of seeds and, and and do you know whatever you feel you can do don't be pressured by other people and don't compare yourself and and all of that but but ultimately the harvest will come and we will feel better out at the end of it but but ultimately the moment we've just got to take each day as it comes and we do just have to be kind to ourselves because ultimately we don't know how long it's going to last and that uncertainty can only feed um you feed your anxiety so i think yeah i do i do genuinely think that we have to accept there's a level of acceptance of that this is happening and we can't be delusioned to, to always see the positives. Um, you know, I've had days like last Friday, I put a tweet out and I put something on social media because I cried for about two hours and I just, I felt shit. And I, and I thought, you know what, I'm always posting positive things. So I'm going to post that I felt shit and that I've cried, but it's okay. And actually I got so much feedback from it because everyone was like, that's just so real. And I was like, well, that's just life. Like sometimes I do cry for three hours a day other days I feel amazing and I do three workouts but you know life life is genuinely a roller coaster at the moment and we just have to be kind to ourselves and to people around us and just appreciate that we're all at different parts of that journey
0: yeah uh, sometimes I can fall into that trap and I know this is you know as any over as any strength that you overdone it Mm. it turns into a weakness by the end of it and this Bit trying to be ultra positive all of the time I I imagine for somebody who I work with or people who I'm in constant contact with in a normal scenario but now it's the the people that I live with Mm. it can be a bit grating at times I know I know exactly where you're coming from I went out for a run yesterday I stopped about 200 meters short of the house I was walking in and I just thought do you know what, I, I'm genuinely starting to miss my friends now, the people who I work the closest with, the people who, there's a group of us that spend almost all of our working day together. And at first, you know, when the novel is there and you're like, oh, I'm at home and it's all new and it's Zoom and it's this and I'm, you know, I'm dressed <laughs> as a potato on a Webex. Or all, the, all of them things, are like, they're amazing. But I think it's, I just want people to understand that we all go through, Pretty shitty days in this situation, and, and we'll get over them. But don't don't be so harsh on yourself, and don't be so upset if other people around you are um, are looking positive. Because I'm, as you said, don't compare. I'm sure there's. Lots and also, I think days. one of the key things is, and, is that a lot think... of
1: people only put the good stuff on social media, so just be really mindful as well, like we're not seeing people, yeah. we're only seeing what the social media tells us, so just be really careful, like don't, yeah. I post lots of positive stuff, but I do try to keep it balanced on the basis that life life isn't always like glossy and shiny and fabulous pictures, like it isn't that way, um, whilst I'm trying to motivate and inspire people, I'm also trying to keep it real, because like like life is real, it isn't Instagram. So it is about that balance. And I think we just have to yeah. keep that perspective.
0: I think it's and the other thing there, just to finish on that little subject really, is, is that it, it, it's okay to be craving human mm. contact as well. Like I, I'm at that point now where I feel like I need some additional human contact. I was in my kid's bedroom the other day. That's where I've been working from <laughs> uh, much to their dismay. And I heard some outside and it was a couple of their children that we knew and they were going for their daily, daily walk with the dog. And I heard them through the window. We ran down to the window. We're all hanging out the door, socially distant, but waving to each other. Yeah. You know, it was so nice to see them. Genuinely appreciated. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we you know
1: what we we had something similar yeah. where my my brother had to bring some food because my partner had symptoms and I was self-isolating um so my brother drove from Doncaster to Leeds to bring us uh, like a load of food so we didn't have to go out the house and um and I literally was talking to him out the window and I was like oh it's so nice to see my brother and like normally I just want to like punch him and
0: stuff yeah. <laughs> but
1: but actually, I was like, look at exactly. his face, and uh, it, you know, it was just, it was just lovely. And we really, honestly, really does it really does make you think about, um, you know, that that quality time that we had with people that we just took for granted. And I think that's the one thing I'm looking forward to the most yeah. once I get out of here is like giving all my like friends and family like massive hugs and just actually being with people.
0: Yeah, yeah, physical contact yeah. with other human beings, you know, hugging. Whatever that looks like, shaking hands—it's gonna be a—it's gonna be an amazing day when all of that happens, isn't it? I can't—I can't wait. I there's you know. gonna be some party, that's for sure. Some big, um, all over. I want to try and touch on now, then. So let's try and fast forward a little bit. We're coming to the point, and I, and I think even now we need to start to think about this. But how do we start to understand what we need to do to transition back into whatever our new normal is, whatever this rhythm that we're going to get back into? Because I don't think we yeah. fully understand what that looks like yet and how long that's going to take. And, and if ever, it will look the same as it did four, five, yeah. six weeks ago. But again, either as, a, as a manager, what should I start to be thinking about, about the people who I work with? in that let's just call it that transition okay back so
1: the- I, I think there's a couple of things and i think i've already touched on the risk assessments now i think they're crucial in understanding where your team are at and what training to give them and keeping in touch with them but i do think there's an awful lot of planning to go into it because ultimately what may happen is is when you go back it might be that management goes back and goes actually we don't need all these people and there's a real concern that people are going to lose their jobs so i think management need to be Um, giving people as much notice as possible, whilst Obviously, there are, are legal obligations in terms of um, redundancy. Uh, I think it, the human thing to do is, if you know that those roles are not going to exist, give people that notice so they can start looking for other stuff because there's that anxiety of not having an income, not having a job to go back to, and people just don't know. So communication is really, really important. And um, and, and actually planning what that transition would look like. And like you said, it's going to be different for everybody. Um, our our organisation, for example we already work from home but I think I'm going to change the way that we we do things and I'm actually going to continue to work from home three to four days a week um, and then um, and give the staff that opportunity as well so I think one of the things that businesses will definitely be considering at this time is do we want to continue some of this home working because it could mean that people um work are more productive it could mean that there's a cost saving in terms of offices so there's all that side from a business perspective so i certainly think that 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 i think we'll see more flexible and home working um which i think is really good but in terms of what management can do um i think until you've got a plan it's really difficult to communicate it so i think management need to be starting now thinking about well, if we so the first thing is, is all the risk assessments that's the starting point then you need to be training people whilst they're off and then you need to have a plan for when you come back who you're going to need what it's going to look like and do you still need people to work from home i think they're the three areas um, that you need to focus on and i think you're going to have to have a lot of um, face-to-face contact once we come back around um, team meetings uh, maybe like social events to get people back into the the kind of the team spirit because i know we do it all via zoom and if But uh, do you think we're going to have to have quite a lot of organized social time? I think that'll be really, really important when we go back.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things I've been reading about um, with regards to um, the differences between connecting over uh, remote technology as opposed to face to face. Um, And there's some positives to that. But there's also some negatives to um, not actually being completely present in the room. A lot of people multitasking at the same time. Uh, turn your cameras off and then you can do whatever you want. Are, the, are you really taking that in? Uh, the group that I work with, I'm really fortunate. We'd, we'd started to do a lot of this stuff prior to this happening, um, some of it by choice, some of it more luck than judgment, really, and started to say, well, how could we be more present? And that's come up a couple of mm-hmm. times in in your conversation, present family, present with people. And I think when we get back into the work environment, one of the things where we've been isolated and socially distanced, I think we'll have learned to live with ourselves. But we're going to have to readjust to being in that open mm, environment with people as well. I
1: definitely agree. And I think it's just going to take a bit of time and people are going to be, uh, you know, so used to this this new normal that we've created that, um, you know, some people, whilst they will like being around others, it'll take a bit of time to adjust to you know the noise and being in a room full of people again and um, so that's why i'm going to give my staff the opportunity to continue working from home when they want to um, we already operate like i said a smart working policy so maybe co- companies want to think about that and and see realistically how that could work whilst whilst ensuring some face-to-face contact um on a regular basis
0: yeah, that's that's amazing, I, I, I do think at social distancing. When I when I was in the forces, um, we went to Afghanistan and Iraq and places like that, and you come out of that natural habitat and out of that society, you very quickly. It's and which I think we've established with this situation, it, the human brain and the human body are amazing. They they can very quickly adapt to their new surroundings. You know, and we see that quite quite often, and certainly we're we're being tested with that now. Coming back for that integration. At, I, I think we're going to have to be patient and we're going to have to be we we this uh, uh, kind of a flick of a switch, like let's get out of here for safety reasons, precaution. We've got to get out. I don't think the switch comes back the other way quite as quick on the way in. I think we're going to phase that, not just for safety reasons, but for for people's well-being and for getting them back integrated into those uh, society. No, environments. I agree. I
1: think. That integration piece is is partly our responsibility as individuals, but also there's going to be a huge focus on management and and you know employers to. Support that integration so that they get the best out of their team, but also from a moral and human perspective, that they're supporting those individuals who have probably been all over the place thinking, Am I going to lose my job? And have, am I going to have any money? Because, you know, ultimately, quite a lot of people yeah. have, and we've seen this because, you know, we've advised hundreds of people on it, uh, are so worried about even though they're furloughed now, are they going to have a job again? So I think that integration is going to be really important to show them that they're still valued and needed.
0: Yeah, I agree, demonstrating value and, and, and recognising the fact that people will have delivered uh, their role in the strangest oh. of circumstances and will have really been committed to to making sure that happens and we've got to be able to, uh, to praise that and to be able to give positive feedback around that. I, I think you're right, keeping people um, feeling valued is, yeah, is going to be a, key, a key element to this so you, you i just want to try and wrap up really on on what you're doing and what's next we mentioned earlier you've got some stuff yeah. launching for well-being online you've got launching webinars yeah, and stuff. So we've, we've been
1: providing some free support um for people so anyone can access it using our coronavirus helpline it's just um an email address that we can leave um with with the podcast but basically we've been advising people on that and also just doing a series of webinars just updating because the guidance is updating daily um so we're doing loads of stuff around that and um in fact we're in the guardian last this week um just for like the work that we've been doing on it so it's just it's just really nice for us to give back i think that's really important for us the other thing that we we were already planning and we're already designing prior to lockdown was a an online well-being package um we've already created the tech side of it which is the training course but we're just um, finalizing all of the documents so it'll be an online portal that each employee can access but then management can also access in terms of documents and um, like toolkits guides that type of thing on how to manage mental health and have those conversations so we're about to launch that which is really exciting and actually really timely because even though we started creating this in january wasn't we weren't going to launch it till mental health week which is in uh, may Um, so yeah that's due Uh, to launch then so if anyone wants uh, information on it they can just contact me and I can um, let them know once it's launched it's not live yet um but yeah that's our our focus at the moment is really just to push um the mental health stuff because even though we're a law firm and what i specialize is employment law and hr mental health affects everybody and it affects us in our work it affects us as employers um and it's just you know having had that lived experience i never want to go back to that place and i if i can help other people um through my experience and through my legal knowledge then i will do and i'll continue to push um on that front um and then the other thing that we're doing is just pushing our mental health campaign for the risk assessments to be mandatory so that the government will provide these assessments um, because I think it's it's so important that you shouldn't leave it to employers. Um, you know, there should be a guide, a guide on what they need to do, because it's quite difficult. You know, it's not the easiest thing to, to broach those conversations. So, if there was something that was subsidised by the government, or at least like a, a checklist that they could go through, then I think that would be really, really helpful for employers, not least because it would save them in terms of cost, but also means that they have no option but to do it. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think there's some really good stuff there. I was just writing down there, where, where, you mentioned the Guardian article this week that you've done uh... Where can we find yeah. this
1: information? Where so can people go, go to get it www.thrivelaw.co.uk and all of our um, blogs are on there and anything where we've been in the media. So we do, um I do a lot of TV appearances, Radio 5 Live, um, as like an expert in this area. So there's loads of stuff like on our on my YouTube channel as well, which is just Jodie Hill on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, we we just constantly sharing information on as many mediums as possible to help um, people understand what the changes mean to them. Um, so yeah, the website, the Guardian stuff is on the website. They 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 did an, a feature on superhero firms, so people who are helping um, for free in the pandemic to support. Um, so there was a feature of, of of organizations across the whole of the UK, and we were one of the the featured firms, which I thought was really lovely. Um, yeah That's so cool. now, they found, they
0: found yeah. me on twitter i was check- like oh okay <laughs> so oh, wow. i'm gonna i'm gonna check that article yeah, out after if you've got yeah, it, you it what, and you've got my email in it so I, am, uh,
1: I am jody hill on instagram oh, um is it, it's on there i've screenshot the relevant the, the bit that talks about us so you can have a look it's literally one of my posts from last week so yeah it's all on there
0: so what do you need to do to be a superhero I I firm?
1: Um, it, was, it, it was all about people um, giving back and being selfless in, in a situation. So um, at the moment, I've sacrificed my salary so that I can help people, over 500 people for free and also um, keep my staff in full time pay. So I'm currently I haven't been paid for for two months now um and there's no support for people in my position because i'm a company director so um but my firm is a startup firm and we don't have any resources in terms of like investors and stuff so unfortunately it's a really difficult time financially for me but what i've done i I, as i always do is try and find the positive in in that adversity and and use the skills that i've got like there's no point me moping around at home and not working like i might as well help people for free so that's what i've done and um and they found out that i was doing that on twitter because there was loads of stuff um in bbc5 live when they asked us about it and they basically just said like you're you know you, you're firm are really supporting people at a time when they're most vulnerable and we want to feature as part of this um this piece so yeah that's what happened
0: jody that's amazing oh. what you've just said there that is really important for you to do that um i think people who work for you uh, should be extremely um they're extremely privileged and, and I'm sure they're they're honoured to work for someone who's so selfless doing things like that. That's, a, I, oh. I, that's kind of knocked me back I a little bit. I, well, I was reading – I've been reading uh, – I got a birthday present from one of my friends at work. Uh, she bought me the ride of a lifetime, which is yeah. um, Robert Iger, talking about his time at Disney. And I know I've read recently about some of these big um, global organisations making those sacrifices and – I, I don't want to be blase about it, but you imagine there's a lot of money tied to uh, mm. incentive schemes and bonuses as well, and there's being a certain figure. But someone doing that—I um, don't yeah. mean this in a derogatory way, but in an in a, in everyday environment.
1: Yeah, it, That's just know, amazing. It, it, it's it's well just a done. hard time at the moment. But and I, do you know, when it first, when it all first happened, I was really, I, I really was struggling mentally. Or I found it really difficult. But putting my time and my skills to good use, I was like, well, we'll come out of this. And like I was saying before, we're sowing the seeds now, we're helping people. And all we've asked people to do is just give feedback and that feedback will continue to grow. And then hopefully, you know, down the line, once people are ready and if they need employment support, then then they'll know that we helped them. And I think ultimately that's all we can do at this time. And I think it's the right thing to do
0: you're 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 bang on there it is the right mm-hmm. thing to do is to be there to support the people that need it the most yeah. at the time they need it the most and, and the conversation that you're clearly not going to be having is around money because um you're doing a lot of this stuff yeah. um free of charge and and push out there and, and i think pe- people will have long memories after this yeah. period I hope so. Anyway, I hope we don't end up with with short term memory loss from it all. Um, we should remember the people like yourself and, and people out there. I was going to say name you amongst people like Joe Wicks and I'll take that. these people who have <laughs> given up. Okay. We'll take that, yeah. Um, so if you could start a, a fitness video <laughs> in your front room as well, then that then and Wicks. But like that, that's amazing. People are doing some really really positive good things at a time where it's needed the most and i, and I love that uh, well done on that really 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 yes, good I- to hear um so you i want to just wrap up with a little bit of advice for people you've mentioned a couple of times the quote there is strength from adversity that's clearly yes. a little bit of a mantra for you uh the way that come up what advice have you got for people out there to remain positive in this current climate and beyond practice
1: the self-care get the three things do them for three weeks and and bring some consistency and a routine to your day-to-day life and just be kind to yourself i think you know we're all we're all our own worst enemy so be kind to yourself and practice practice what you preach and, and really try to integrate something positive into your daily routine and if you can take some of those things that i've talked about today and and if it helps one person then i've done my job
0: uh, you certainly have well you've you've inspired me to try a couple of things cool. a day for five minutes it, it it seemed like a bit of a mountain doing 40 minutes of yoga in the front room at 5am and a cold shower and a journal and all of that but I think just breaking it down into them sizable chunks has been the best advice Good. that I've been given in a long time so Good. thank you very no, much brilliant. For
1: well you have to let me know what you what you do and whether it works <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll definitely post it. I'll, I'll definitely do it unless I get injured and then I will be posting it. So uh yeah. But Jodi, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Yeah. It's been an absolute no pleasure all. to chat to you. Um I wish you all the best and I wish Thrive Law all the best in the future. You've been uh you you've really cheered up my not my Friday afternoon wasn't <laughs> wasn't in a bad place, but it's in an even oh. place having spoken to you. Um Brilliant. Thank you Thanks very for much me. for your time. That's Jody Hill. That's Never Press News. Thank you very much.